Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You know, one question I often get asked is how can I listen to ad free shows? Well, the answer is simple. You plug directly into your normal podcast app, like Apple podcasts or Google podcasts. And you do that through an RSS link. And then you just listen like you always would except no commercials. Here's something else you may not know. You not only get the shows early and ad free, but you also get a ton of bonus content with adfreeshows.com. You also get early access to many of your other favorite wrestling podcasts from William Regal's new show to the road dog, Brian James to Matt Hardy and so much more starting at just $9. So quick Scott Steiner math tells us that's less than 20 cents an episode each month. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans have already discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling today. Check it out for yourself at adfreeshows.com. And if you're looking for the ultimate gift for the wrestling fan this Father's Day, you can now give the gift of ad-free shows. Head over to adfreegift.com right now to purchase an ad-free show subscription to get over with someone special in your life this Father's Day. That's adfreegift.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce.
Charles a good night. Yeah. So big. Yeah. Bullshit. To wrestle. Man. Pearl title man. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Man, I am grumpy. I am in pain, and uh, I'm not sleepy. I'm awake. I'm clean. I took a shower. I shook a tower, and uh going to do this right here, right in front of everybody for you. I appreciate that. And then here we go. You can watch me, and you can describe what I'm doing. Uh, so Bruce has leaned all the way back in his chair in a shirt that is uh, undone. He's completely naked underneath, but he has wet hair as he's fresh out of the shower. He just chugged a BC powder and now, oh, made a, quite a face as he pushed it down with a Diet Coke. Bruce, are we allowed to talk about your wonky shoulder or should we not talk? Sure, about man. We talk about my wonky shoulder. I got me a goddamn tort rotator cuff torn clean off the bone. Ain't nothing there. And the plan is to get it fixed. Yeah, I'm going to get it fixed and you're going to get it fixed. Uh, next Wednesday. So there you go, boys and girls thoughts and prayers for Mr. Pritchard as he goes under the knife. And, uh, when do they think you'll be back at full speed? Six months. That sucks, dude. Six months of rehab, man. So is this a deal where you saw Cody's injury and you said, Hey, I like the look of that. I want one. We're going to hang out. <laughs> we're going to have matching slings and we're going to hang out. I somehow bet that you're not having your surgery done in Birmingham, Alabama though. Well, so that offer was made to me and instead I went with, uh, Local. a, I went, well, I went with a disciple of, uh, Dr. Dugas and, uh, a, a quite excellent, well rated number one in, uh, the New York metropolitan area. So, so chat me up. How does one in your position tear a rotator cuff off the bone? Conrad, I wish I had a good story for that. So uh, let's digress. I sh- shall I digress? Please do. So I had colitis, right? Yes. We're aware. Okay, so I had colitis, and I, I I changed my diet, started working out, started getting healthy, started feeling good. Actually, man, I put on weight because I've been working out, and I'm getting stronger and all this good shit, feeling really good, but my shoulder was bugging me, so I was going in for treatments for my shoulder. And then one day, I look in the mirror, and my entire right arm is just black and blue. I mean, the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. Wow. And I said, what's this? Didn't hurt. As a matter of fact, my shoulder pain had gone away. So I went to the doctor. I said, hey, the hell is this bruising from? And they look at it and go, oh, you tore your bicep. Clean off the bone from the shoulder. Mm, my goodness. And I'm thinking, well, how the hell did I do that? I mean, I did nothing that I can say, oh, wow, boy, I heard that pop or I felt that. Nothing like that. So I'm thinking I feel great. I continue my training. I'm stronger than ever. I'm doing all my stuff. And next thing you know, man, my shoulder starts hurting again. 
but this time it's a little different pain, man. And, and it's, it's intense and it's not going away. So I got checked out, uh, at WrestleMania and, uh, <laughs> Doc says, Bruce, your rotator cuff is torn. So, oh, how can you tell that from just examining me? Well, again, he's only like the top. This one is like the top, top guy. And he says, well, we're going to get an MRI. And I went to the MRI. I won't even tell you that story about having a panic attack in the MRI thing. That was pretty frightening and horrible because I'm claustrophobic. And they put me in a tube that was the size for like your left toe. And, but anyway, I got it done and it's torn and I'm going to get it fixed. And, uh, it's just, it's just a, a awful lot of fun just being in pain all day long. And it got to the point where I just was in pain all day long that I don't feel like being in pain all day long. So I'm just going to be in pain for six more months knowing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, man, I'm glad that you're at least getting it fixed. My goodness. It's like something going around, you know, friend of the show, Mr. Matt Cardona having bicep surgery and Friend of the show, Mr. Cody Rhodes has a torn pec and I know we don't talk about current stuff, but goddamn, what a performance the other night. And, and now you lamping along here, much like Cody Rhodes, you're playing hurt, son. You're podcasting with a torn rotator cuff. Where are your flowers for that? By God, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Where do I get recognized for that? Exactly. I'm glad we're addressing it and you're going to get your just due here today. Yeah. Damn right. And then every other day when I'm sitting here and I got my little thing on with when I got the, my little, I've already, I've already got my little sling thingy with the ice water that goes through it and all that stuff. My sling thingy. Huh? My sling thingy. A sling thingy. I love it. And then today I'm getting my, uh, because I, I can't sleep in the bed for like two months. And so I had a, uh. I got a recliner like the one that I have in the living room delivered to the bedroom today. And so I'll just sleep in that. Well, the dogs are happy. The dogs are happy because the dogs get asleep in the bed. Are you going to be making towns every week the same way? Yeah. I love you for that. Why? I'm just, you know, it feels like a lot of people would say, uh, I need to fucking hang tight for a bit, but you're saying nay, nay. No, I'll be not. Please come on. I mean, my shoulder ain't my head. Well, maybe some sometimes. people would say that I was gonna <laughs> have something detached up there. Probably need to have it reattached or not reattached or lobotomized or something of that kind of all, sort. But all the above, all the above. That's, you know, that, that, that hurts. I do still have feelings, Conrad. And, uh, your words hurt words hurt is all I'm saying. Well, we're going to have some hurtful words today. Maybe not, but we're talking about an interesting topic, something that Boy, a lot of folks probably thought would never actually happen. <laughs> Me either. I got to tell you, we, uh, we started this podcast back in August of 2016 and we had some, some real fun episodes along the way, I guess. And what, one of the first big ones that got everybody talking was the radicals episode. And then we did one about the Montreal screw job and eventually episode 12, we dropped TNA wrestling. It was nearly three hours and man, you pulled no punches and it was the it most was a two parter. We did a two parter on that one too, right? We did. It was our most downloaded episode ever. Uh, people just went bananas for it. And then we came back, uh, I think five episodes later 
and did part two, because we just couldn't get all of the conversation in one sitting. So there's six hours of that in the archives. If you're trying to figure out where to go, listen to those, I recommend you go look for episode 12 and episode 17. It's wild. We were just in double digits back then, but now it's been five years since you made your return, which is a weird sentence. My goodness. I will, uh, seemingly never forget. I'm, I'm bebopping down to, uh, San Antonio and, and taking the wife and kids and not even wife at the time, girlfriend at the time. And we're going to see the Royal rumble. And while I'm there, I get a call from you and you go, you're not going to believe this. And it was letting me know that you got a call from your old pal, double J who in all the craziness, and I guess we should remind everybody the reason we were talking about TNA is the whole industry was talking about TNA. There was a, a brouhaha, if you will, with Dixie Carter, Billy Corgan and Anthem entertainment all involved. There's rumors of sales and takeovers and lawsuits. And it was just a wild time towards the end of 2016. And then in January, you get the call after we had, or you specifically had just essentially trashed impact and aired all the dirty laundry and unbelievably Jeff called. And what did he say, Bruce? <laughs> Howdy. Hey, Bruce. It's Jeff Jarrett. It's J E double F J A double R E double T. You want to know what I've been doing? I said, what's that, Jeff? He said, well, I've been spending my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow. I can't wait to get you back with Impact Wrestling. And I said, what do you mean by that, Jeff? I thought you wanted to be alone with your baby tonight. And he says, well, I kind of do, and that's you. And so, uh, <laughs> long and short of it, can I sidebar here for a second? Because this is bugging me for a second. We're going to come right back to this. We're going to pick up right with the Jeff Jarrett phone call. Okay. And we don't talk current stuff, but this isn't about the business or anything. It's about someone who is attached to the business who I feel is I, – I aspire to be better through them every day. Wow. Did you see what John Cena did? My God, what a human being. I love that so guy. I, I talk to John all the time. I talk to him. We text. And um, – I don't bug him, man. He's busy doing movies and things like that. But every once in a while, you know, I'll shoot him a text. How you doing? And, and there's a gentleman that helps him with his stuff. And he tells me this story about this young man uh, who had escaped Ukraine with his mother. But he, uh, a special young man, and he didn't want to leave his home of Ukraine. And his mother told him that we're going to go find John Cena mm. to get him to leave his home. And this young man traveled from Ukraine and, and not knowing where he was going or what he was doing. All he knew is that he was leaving his home and his hero was John Cena. And so his mother just kept telling him that you're going to, we're going to go find John Cena. Right. And she Somehow they, the story got out and Cena heard it and John's like, where is he? And found out that he was in the Netherlands, mm. found him and John had a weekend off 
He says, I'm going to go see this young man. Now, you would think that's a pretty easy thing to do, okay? You know, you're John Cena. Uh, I just go grab a plane. But it was the Queen's Jubilee. And with the Queen's Jubilee, there's a lot of restrictions around things coming into the country, planes and private planes and all this other stuff, and even, you know, just getting there. But John got it done. And John was able to go meet this young man. We He called us for uh, merchandise and different things to be able to send to him. Again, a major deal to try and get through because packages weren't coming into England or weren't coming into the United Kingdom because of the Queen's Jubilee. Right. But, man, and I, I saw this footage, and it's just, to me, I think John Cena, for the, the people that think that John is a phony and think that John's not this – Whatever. Uh, to me, John Cena is a number one, one of the finest human beings I've ever had the privilege and honor of getting to know. And I just think if you get a chance, check out the footage, man. And it was absolutely tremendous what John did with this young man. Made, I, you know, made his day, made his life. Um, and John took a, a weekend out of his life to go and, and make someone else's day. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world because people will never know the heaven and earth that John moved to actually make this happen. To get just from America to Amsterdam on your weekend off it, it is a big de- doggone deal. And, and, um, especially when you've got a crazy schedule like him, but it was important and he made time for it. And what a story. Thank you. For yeah. Sharing just that. to make this kid's day. And I thought, I thought it was great. And, and it just happened to open up on my page there. So I had to. I had to say it. I had to do it by God. So anyway, Jeff Jarrett called me. Yes, he did. January and, 2017. But I have to, I have to go back, Conrad. I have to go back even, even like about a week or two before that, because, um, the WWE had contacted me as well about possibly doing something on the network, on the WWE network at the time. Right. So, and that was roughly, a week or two before Jeff called. And of course I was interested and, you know, I was like, yeah, sure, man. But, you know, tell me what that is. What does that look like? What, what are you interested in me doing? And we talked a little bit back and forth. There was nothing firm. So there was no offer really to consider other than they're interested and they'd like to figure out something to do on the network. And then Jeff calls. He's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just doing the podcast. And, and you know, we're kind of starting to hit with this thing. And it's doing pretty good. So just just doing that right now. And he says, well, let me ask you a question. We, uh, I don't know how much you kept up with news, but Anthem and I have kind of formed this company and, and we're going to do uh TV out of out of Orlando just like we have with impact and everything and I, I was wondering if you'd like to come back and do something with us. <laughs> I start to laugh because I went from being the guy nobody wanted to touch with a 10 foot pole. Yes. To getting a call from WWE uh one week and then two weeks later um getting a call from impact real time. And they were, yeah, they were the only two companies really operating at the time of any significance. So I, I'm thinking, 
<laughs> came by, you know, how, how very short time things can change. So I thought, you know, okay, well, you know, Jeff, man, I, uh, and again, these words will just live in infamy too. Jeff, I really just don't know about getting back into the business in an executive position or anything like that, or dealing with dealing with the talent or dealing with anybody. And, and um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. What do you got? He said, well, I don't think that, uh, you know, we, we, we want to eat. Look, I'd love to have your head. I'd love to have your, your, you know, have you help us some, but I'm looking for strictly a talent. And I said, Jeff, you can't afford me. He says, I know. Uh, all right. Well, then what are we talking about here? Because uh, right now I'm, you know, I always used to say we're doing pretty good and I'm working four hours a week. And he says, well, you know, here's what I can do and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, says, let me get back to you with money. If you're interested, well, of course I'm interested, you know, I'll, I'll hear anybody out. I'll listen to whatever you got to say. So we talked a little bit, went back and forth on, uh, what I, what I do, but I, I was more interested in, I was like, so I'm not going to be working backstage, which I was ecstatic about. Um, but what am I going to do? And he says, well, well, you'd be a character. We'd make you an authority figure and, and just for you. Well, like Ozzy Osbourne, I'm Ozzy. I'm, I'm fucking Ozzy. I said, I, I can be Bruce. I know how to do that sometimes. Um, so we talked, I called WWE back. I said, Hey, is there an offer in the works? And is there, a specific deal. And they said, well, you know, it may take a few months and I'm like, all right, you know, well, here's what I'm thinking of doing. And I said, look, if you've got something in the hand, go take that and go do that. And we'll always be here. So I called Jeff and I didn't make demands that that's the wrong word to say, but I, I had kind of conditions because I knew that, I knew they wouldn't offer a lot of money. Right. And so I, I was looking at it from a standpoint of how do we grow this podcast? Right. And took it as an opportunity to be on a national cable and be able to, to talk about it. At the time, Conrad, um, you know, we were doing three times the downloads that they were getting viewers. So I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be helping you guys more than you're going to be helping me. Right. But it was an opportunity to, to wear my shirts and, uh, be on TV and, and just get a little bit more exposure in a different outlet. So you so just I sort of glossed yes. over it. You said, wear my shirts. Uh, I guess we should remind everybody back then, boy, we used to hammer t-shirts. It was a, a major revenue driver for us. Very quickly, you, you were in the, uh, the top 10 on pro wrestling tees.com. And we even, you know, made up gimmicks like, uh, don't put a T in his name, put one on your back at Bruce Pritchard.com, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and so you were going to wear those, our, our merch on the show as a way to, you know, do, do your best DDP impression. 
Exactly. And I, I was going to be, you know, a, a commercial machine and we were, we did our logo as part of my video wall. We did our music that Matt Coon did. Um, so it, it was, I was like, okay, you know, hell I could do this and, and just have some fun. It was the first time in my career that I had ever gone anywhere and, and just be a talent and not be, Hey, can you help write TV? Can you go produce some things? Can you do this? Can you do that? Oh, and by the way, we need you to be a talent. This was, you come in, here's what you're doing today. You do your talent work. You go back to the hotel, go to sleep. So I, I was very curious about that. Wanted to try that one time. So just to add some context to what we're talking about here, um, there's a lot of maneuvering going on. Dixie's out of the company at that point, right? Dixie was out of the company at that point. I did have one. And again, it wasn't a necessarily a, it was kind of a condition was that I didn't want to, um, deal in any way, shape or form with Dean Broadhead, who was the former, uh, CFO of TNA. And I, I made it very clear that, cause I said, look, is he still with the company? He says, well, he's in the transition. I said, okay. Um, I, I don't want to deal with him at all. So if I made a demand, my demand was, I, I didn't want to deal with him. Well, and you needed first class air in your own hotel room and blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, in that, but yes. But so Dean Broadhead, everybody wants to know what's the heat brother. Um, I didn't trust him. I, I wasn't one of my favorite people in the world. And if you go back and listen to our two episodes on TNA, you'll, you'll learn a lot about him in that he wasn't very honest and he was, uh, he would just lie right to your face even if you knew, I mean, even in the position I was in at the company and I, I knew better, he would still just lie right to your face and, and move on. So it wasn't, wasn't a positive relationship. Didn't come from a good place at all. And I had no desire, you know, Dean and, and, uh, the other God, Joni Kenny from, Panda were two of the people that were so involved in talent, not getting paid for so long. Right. And for no other reason than to, you know, manipulate the books. And I always just thought that was kind of crappy. So I didn't want to, I didn't want him to touch anything that I was doing. And I also said, if I, I said, first time I don't get paid, um, you won't see me the next TV. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So, so, so if that, you can imagine not having a paycheck to pay your bills, yes, then that's why I really didn't want to deal with Dean. 
So at that point, you know, it, it got, it had been a little ugly, uh, for a while, David Lagana had left and, and some of the old folks were, were out of there and, and Billy Corgan, who had been trying to lead the charge and turn that thing around. Well, he was embroiled in a, a, a bit of a back and forth. So Billy and Dixie were both out at this point, right? They were both out, had nothing to do with them. The, uh, observer, uh, had this to say a lot of people who work for the company in the past have been contacted and Jeff Jarrett's big marketing idea is something along the lines of let's make TNA great again. The idea is to present the idea of the good old days of TNA when Jarrett was in charge with the idea that things went off the rails, perhaps not using that term since he was gone, but on TV, they're going to bury Dixie Carter's regime, whether by that name or not, and essentially say the product went to hell. Bruce Pritchard is being brought back for a role where he is to appear at the upcoming tapings as one of those people. And this may be as early as the March 9th show, which is being taped on March 2nd. Pritchard is booked for that show right now. Pritchard is only coming in as a television character and will continue his podcast. He essentially got the gig because of how strong his podcast numbers were. And Jeff Jarrett was hoping his podcast listeners would start watching TNA. So how about that? feels like for the most part. Meltzer got it right, huh? Come on. You have to give him this one. This is accurate. Not really. Oh, what's wrong with this one? I'm just sure there's something inaccurate about it. Okay. Um, so do you remember that being the, the idea that we're going to, that Jeff wants to quote unquote, make TNA great again. Is that basically the idea? That was, that was the slogan, you know, and it was, the idea that we were looking to, you know, kind of do a throwback to the old days. And, and there were those that truly, you know, felt that the original concept of TNA, even going back to kind of the weekly pay-per-views that they used to do, but just go all the way back to, Hey, you know, wrestling the way it used to be and the way you like it. Right. So one of the other things that makes the observer here, Vince Russo claimed that Jeff Jarrett emailed him and asked him what his podcast numbers were. He said, after doing so, he hasn't heard back from Jarrett. I guess Bruce Pritchard, whose numbers are far better, got the gig for that reason. Uh, was it ever discussed that you recall about, Hey, what if we did something with you and Russo, or do you think it was an either or circumstance? Uh, I mean, Jeff told me that he was talking to Russo and that there was, uh, I don't know. The, the Jeff and Russo have always kind of had a weird relationship. Right. I think they both kind of tell you that. But I wasn't involved in, in any of the dealings with Russo. But, you know, Jeff did say that things broke down with Russo and that he was thinking about possibly doing something with Russo as well, but just didn't, uh, didn't want to go down that rabbit hole again. So talk to me a little bit about... You know, the, the obvious question, were you ever asked about your creative input or was this always going to be strictly just a talent type situation? Well, when I, you know, look, the, the pitch was strictly a talent deal. Okay. And the reality of it was that the first TV that I came in they had everything laid out. They knew exactly what they, you know, wanted to do. I, I will say this, the, look, I'd never worked with Jeff in, in that way. So 
when I had come to TNA many years before, one of the criticisms or one of the uh, positives was that when Jeff was in charge, you went to Jeff and Jeff, the buck stopped there. Jeff knew what he wanted and, and would communicate that. If you had a problem with you, you went to Jeff and Jeff dealt with it. Um, as the regimes grew and there was Dixie, there was me, there was Eric, there was Hulk, uh, way too many heads. So I was looking forward to, okay, Jeff is running this thing, just deal with one person. So that was kind of cool. Looking forward to that. When I came in for the first TV, I came in strictly as a talent. However, when I got there, um, Jeff said, hey, we're going back to the hotel afterward and we're going to go over, you know, tomorrow's shows. Um, if you're not doing anything and you're bored, if you'd like to sit in with us and look at the shows, um, we'd love to have you. And production meeting starts at, you know, one o'clock or whatever. If you want to sit in on that, we'd love to have you. From a selfish standpoint, um, I took that as an opportunity to get my stuff the night before and earlier in the day. Right. So I, A, uh, maybe I could have input on some of my stuff and maybe um, I'll have it and I can knock it out and be done with it pretty early. So... I, you can go back to the hotel, you know, I don't sleep. Right. So why not go to their production meeting and sit in with them and at least listen to not have it all on my shoulders. Just be a fly on the wall of sorts and be able to throw in a tidbit here, throw in a tidbit there or none at all. So I took that opportunity and I went to the meetings after the shows and I went to the production meeting just to listen and hear what was going on. Uh, chat me up. What's a production meeting look like in that era for them? Well, the evenings before we stayed at, uh, like an all like a residence in type hotel and we would go into one of their meeting rooms at the end of the night and everybody would order food and, you had beer or wine or whatever and want to have a few drinks have a few drinks and sit there and go over the shows for the next couple days based on what you shot that day does this still work does this creative still work and then the next day you would come in and have the meeting in the same meeting place that we used to have the production meetings with tna universal studios and sit with them and go over the shows and then go to work. The only difference for me was, is that when we went to work, all I had to worry about was my stuff. I didn't have to worry about going off and producing anybody else's stuff. Meltzer would say officially the company has dropped the TNA name for impact wrestling. Starting with the March 9th show, Bruce Pritchard made the announcement during the latest reboot show. You know, I guess if we're, we're, we're sort of doing a restart, clicking control alt delete on the promotion. Maybe this makes sense. what do you think of that? Let's just do away with the TNA name completely. I thought it was smart. I thought that if you wanted to move forward, don't dwell on the past and let's get beyond it. Um, they wanted me to, you know, come out and TNA's dead and 
the future is now. So forget about TNA and here's what we're going to do moving, going, moving forward. So there's another, um, thing we should at least address when you come back, you have said some things on your podcast that maybe rub some people the wrong way. And I know we've told this story before, but I think it bears repeating because very quickly, once you're on site and you're in Florida and you're ready to get going, doing your thing, you bump into uh well, an now friend of the show, but maybe at that time you weren't so sure. Well, you know, look, I wasn't really, I wasn't really concerned about some of the things that I said on the show in regard to TNA and up and up until this point, my only exposure out outside to anybody in the business was at various conventions and what have you. And usually that's a happy, happy, joy, joy situation. And you say hello and you move on. Um, you're referring to the Conan, uh, <laughs> deal. And, you know, I had told the story about Conan in WWE where I didn't know who he was as K dog and conversation that we had had and it got blown up out of proportion. And when Conan came in that night, I was in the lobby and Jeff's like, oh, Hey, Conan, here's Bruce. You know, Bruce is, ah, fuck him. Um, Conan didn't want to have anything to do with me. And I said, hello. And, uh, but long and short of it, Conan and I, man, it was like, we squashed our beef. There is no heat whatsoever. Um, I like the hell out of Conan and I hope he likes the hell out of me because I think that he's a talented guy. And we just, you know, it was like, get it out, move on and misunderstanding and move forward. Amazing what happens when you talk to people, but it was much ado about nothing. And we moved on. If, if anything, I thought that, you know, Jeff would be a little bit like, you know, Hey Bruce, what the hell on, right. on some things? Uh, there was none of that. I, I think because, you know, all that happened. Right. It's like, Hey, why the hell did you tell him that? Well, cause it happened. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and then there's nowhere to go. Right. Um, you know, like abyss had, it called me, you know, and, and how he felt. And I said, well, Chris, you know, that's what I had heard. And that's what, people felt and got it all straightened out, moved on from there. Uh, it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, but why'd you say it? Well, because other people were saying it, this is what happened. This is the thought process at the time. I, I just want to add some context to, we should, you know, it, it almost seems silly to even say now, given the context of everything that's happening and has happened and all that. But back then you were pretty steadfast in, Oh yeah, I'm done with wrestling. I'll never do anything with wrestling again. You felt like maybe wrestling had turned its back on you and you had turned your back on it. And you know, this is, ah, I'm just doing whatever here, but you were, uh, all out of fucks to give on the podcast. Fair to say. I would say it like this in that I reached a point in my life of, I have nothing to lose and here are my stories. Here's my life. And, and you helped in that tremendously in that you have stories to tell. You have a, a wealth of history that is entertaining. So you thought, uh, 
and, and it was like, okay, I just reached the point of, well, you know what? There's, there's no reason to think that I'm ever going to go back to that side of the business. Right. That let's go be, you know, let's go be the entertainer and let's go do this whole new, new gig and new lifestyle. And I embraced that and jumped into it from the standpoint of there's, there's nothing else to lose. And as long as I'm telling my stories from my point of view, then there's no, nobody can call me on that. Yeah. And like I I used to say to you about, you know, certain things about times with Vince and Pat, where it's like, Hey man, there's three three guys that know the, know the truth. Um, and unfortunately one of them's not here anymore and the other one's not talking. Right. So I had a very unique perspective in, in that regard. And once you, you embrace that and accept that I was able to, okay, man, yeah, let's tell stories. I I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to go out and, and be a, a tell all or anything like that. So in some cases, I think that there are those who would view what we did as that. But all it was was explaining a lot of the situations that were public and I normally don't discuss anything that isn't public or that hasn't been made public to give the other side of it, if you will. I, um, I just love talking about this journey that you were on. Let's talk about what they do with you here. You're going to be the, the top authority figure on TV. And, and Meltzer would say this Pritchard came out with his speech. Pritchard talked about how just a few years ago, impact had so much hope, but it never happened. He said the TNA name is dead and the company will now be known only as impact wrestling from this point forward. He said the company has a great hybrid wrestler as world champion in Lashley and that nobody could beat Lashley. And this is where Alberto came out and issued a challenge. Ethan Carter, the third also came out and said, there's no way Alberto deserved a title shot since he had never wrestled for the promotion. And he wanted Lashley Lashley blew him off saying he'd beaten him so many times. He didn't deserve a shot. So he would instead be facing Alberto Dutch Mantel comes out and follows up by saying that when he was with the company last TNA was great and he's here to make impact great again, great again. He talks about how the company had AJ Styles, Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode, Sting, Christian, and Kevin Nash, but they all left because of no vision with the people who were running the company. Mantel said that even more important than those people leaving was how the fans also left. He said, it's his job to bring those fans back. And he said, the only person he answers to is his boss and the fans are his boss. He said, impact wrestling is going back to being all about the fans and asked everyone to stand up put their hand over their heart and say, we, the people will make impact grow. So in hindsight, what did you think of that creative or execution? <sighs> hey guys, we sucked, but we're better now. And I know that on some level, some people would be critical of that, but if you just study business, boy, it really worked for Domino's. Domino's was losing market share. And then they just came out and said, Hey man, our pizza used to suck, but try it now. Cause we're doing da, 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 da. And man, it just, it really turned business around for them. So I understand there is a model to follow with that, but it is kind of interesting to have this approach on TV and wrestling, right? Well, it is, but I, I think that at the same time, it was true. Right. So the 
you can ignore your past or you can embrace it and build off of it. And that was the attempt at this point was to look at what had been done previously in the company and pick out the strengths, situate the negatives and turn them around. And that, that was the journey that they were looking to go on. And I, I remember, I'm trying to think, uh, I don't know if it was uh, Bully Ray or someone else that they were trying to get for that first show. Del Rio was one. And the Del Rio agreement, I think, had been done late at night, the night before. And they had just got it done and just got him on a plane to make the show in, in time. Uh, so that was interesting, not really knowing who that guy was going to be because they needed something new. They needed something different in a big in a big way. And I think Del Rio was that guy that was the something new in a big in a big way. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was also some will they or won't they or what was going on exactly, but there was some controversy with the Hardys who had, you know, really been the bright spot of impact with their whole deletion thing and, and everything they had been doing. Um but they were on the outs at this point too, right? The the Hardys were on the outs, but I think that there was a genuine belief that everything would be worked out with the Hardys and that the Hardys would sign I, to say that I, I wasn't involved in any of those negotiations. But what you hear was that the, that the Hardys had agreed in principle to come back to impact, but there was no contract. So it enabled the Hardys to go out and negotiate and be an independent, you know, free agent, which is a nice place to be at times in this business and regardless of what people may have thought and or assumed, you know, the Hardys, the bottom line is the Hardys were not signed, but I do think that people were counting on them to come back and to be a part of the company. Um, let's, th- let's talk about who was still there, you know, so the, the Hardys are out. We're trying to get bully in, uh, Alberto's coming in, Dutch is back. Borash never left, right? He's still there. Are there any Borash other, was still there? Yeah. Are there any other, um, long time TNA folks that were still there? Uh, rockstar spud was there. Um, the, the producers like Al snow and Pat Kenny were still there. Um, wow. So let's talk a little bit about Jeff trying to, you know, rally the troops here. Do you remember there being like big, um, I don't know. Yay team rah, rah, go type meetings with the talent. Are there big mass meetings like that? Or is he doing it more one-on-one individually? I think that Jeff was doing it more one-on-one individually. And like by the time I got there again, it, it was, I didn't. So we would have the production meeting in the production meeting room that became my dressing room. Right. So when everybody would leave, that was my dressing room and I would sit there on my computer and I would go over what I was doing for the night and get dressed and just hang out in there until they came and got me to either shoot pre-tapes or go over something with whoever I was working with that night. And 
it was I, I wanted it to be that way. I didn't really want to I didn't want to get into the minutia. That makes any sense. I yeah. didn't I didn't want I didn't want to go out there while they were rehearsing and watch rehearsals because I know how I am. And I would have pulled somebody off to the side and said, Hey man, what if you tried it this way? Or if you did this, or if you did that. And it wasn't, I, I know that was, I think that would have stepped on Jeff's toes. And that's not what I was there to do. So I looked at it as I'm here, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do my stuff. And the best, the best thing for me is to just kind of stay on the sidelines. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Talk to me a little bit about Jeff at the time. You know, this is out there. He's talked about it. He's been honest. He's been transparent. But there were reports that Jeff was struggling pretty bad here, uh, just with his substance abuse or let's just say alcohol. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He had the monkey on his back, so to speak, and he's burning it at both ends. And and now he's got a whole lot of stress and pressure. Did you think Jeff was going to be able to, to turn this thing around? Or did you just think, ah, it's just a payday? Well, I think that. So for me, other than. Uh, at the end of the night when we would all go back to the hotel and have our meetings and again, have, you know, if you drank wine, you had a bottle of wine. If you drank beer, you had your beer. If you drank, uh, fireball whiskey, you had your fireball whiskey there. And we weren't out partying. Right. And I tried to, I tried to say to myself as much as I possibly could. Right. You know, I'd, I'd ride over to the building a lot of times with, with Bob Ryder or Al Snow and, uh, Pat Kenny and get there, do my stuff and, and get out. So to say that I witnessed a lot of that stuff, I heard the rumor. Sure. You know, there were, there were, there was a lot of whispering and things like that, that, um, but to say that I specifically witnessed it, not really. I, 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 the only thing that I ever really witnessed was, uh, an argument between Jeff and Bob Ryder one night, but what was that about? Um, it was over somebody's hotel room. Oh, I see. And, and they were in an argument, but the only reason that I witnessed it is because it took place at the, at their go position when I was getting ready to go out. So like the argument started, I went out, I came back. The argument had finished up and, you know, you heard whispers. Oh my God, you know, Jeff had a few too many drinks and he and Bob Ryder got into it. And it was a lot of uh, F-bombs back and forth. But again, I didn't witness it. I didn't see it. And then there was, you know, a, a argument with Bob Ryder and, and Karen afterwards. Um, but again, 
I didn't see it. Right. I, I didn't witness it. So to comment on it, I, I can't tell you what did or didn't happen. And there were a lot of different versions of, of things that happened. So to get into that is a lot of he said, she said stuff. So, but there was enough smoke that I think there was fire there. As far as, you know, Jeff partaking. And, and again, I didn't know that till much after the fact. Where Jeff, you know, told me, he goes, yeah, you know, we, I drink and had my red solo cup and, and things like that. But it was okay. If you want to dig and you want to get in the minutia, you can. I just, I was so, I guess, in tuned to stay out of any potential drama and stay to myself as much as possible that. So I couldn't be, oh, hey, well, Bruce, you were there. What did you think? No, I wasn't there. Right. I was in in my dressing room or I was in the ring. So I just want to um, try to keep this on track here. Jeff is. Good luck with that. I know. I know. It's it's a full-time job over here sometimes. Um, Was, in your opinion, this version of TNA more organized than it was when you left before? Could you see with Jeff piloting the ship as opposed to Dixie and others, did it feel different or did it feel kind of like it always did? A a mixture of both, but I tell you where, what it did feel like from a direction standpoint was there was a direction. There was a direction that was, was firm. Here's where we're going to go. Here's what we're going to do. This is what we're building toward, and that didn't vary much at all. And that was Jeff's vision, and that's what Jeff wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. Um, He knew he would go into the production meetings. He knew where he wanted to go and said, okay, here's where we're going. Here's how we're going to get there. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Right. And everybody worked towards that one direction. So in that regard, it wasn't a lot of second guessing after the fact in that, in that way, that was different. The rest of it, was it, um, still a little discombobulated. I like you made that word up, but I'm going to, I'm going to use it. Discombobulated. That's a real word. Look it up. I thought it was discombobulated. No, discombobulated. I like boob in the middle. Yeah. Boob on the side, boob in the middle. Boob in the morning. Boob all around. Boob all around. Yeah. Uh, The observer would say Pritchard and Mantell are both great talkers, but I didn't see what the point of their segment was. They really put over his podcast strong. An interesting note is the reason Pritchard was called was because of his podcast, which was doing great numbers. And the idea is that his podcast listeners would now watch TNA. And with the rating being exactly what it was and not a good number, that didn't happen in the first week. Now there was an increase in YouTube watching of clips, but there's almost no money in that. And for whatever anyone wants to say about TV viewership falling across the board, which it is for most things as TV viewership falls, all sports, including wrestling are primarily dependent on TV for their revenue. Do you remember being disappointed that our listeners didn't tune in in droves to see their old pal, Bruce? Not really. I, you know, I didn't frankly know what to expect. And I didn't know because our listeners were listeners that were kind of into nostalgia. So I thought that there might be a sampling without a doubt. 
Um, but to go there for for nostalgia of WWE, which is the majority of what we do, right? Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, yes, we we reach three times their audience. However, would you know half of that audience go there? And I think that the the third that they had already from us was they're they're always going to be there. So let's keep it going here. Meltzer would say not a lot to say about the second week of impact under the, under the new regime on three sixteen. It was an easy to watch show. The crowd was hot all the way through, which hasn't been the case in a long time. Bruce Pritchard as an authority figure is fine. The good thing is he's not doing the tired heel routine and can talk. But the one thing you don't want to be seen as is a low rent regional wrestling and the wardrobe on television was screaming that loudly through the screen. And boy, I remember sending you a screen grab of this and just howling. Cause I used to bust your balls about, uh, well, your uniform at times. Uh, but I, I love that the biggest part of the uniform is we're getting those damn t-shirts in brother. We're paying some bills. Yes. Well, so exactly. This- look, man, I'm, I'm not going to look, uh, first of all, I'm no fashion, uh, guru by any stretch of the imagination. And I, was looking at this. This was part of my compensation was to be able to get my merchandise on a television screen on a weekly basis and be able to hopefully have somebody go, Hey, I want one of those, even though it is on a fat guy. Um, yeah, you damn right. I, I, I was looking to just get my stuff out there. And that was part of, that was part of my deal. The more people that could see it, the more people that would want it and to plug the podcast. It's, um, it's, it's, it's amazing to think that you're back in a wrestling ring on TV. What was that like for you? Just personally, after you're thinking you're out and then there you are part of me, there was a big part of me that was a little shocked, um, how quickly I was comfortable back in front of the camera. Cause I, I, and I'm, I'm never not nervous. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's when you are a performer, if you ever lose the nervousness before you walk through that curtain, get out. So every time that I walk through that curtain, I still had the butterflies in my stomach. I still had that nervousness inside. And that that's an adrenaline. That's a rush, whether you're in front of – 50,000 people or 50 people. So the ease in which I was so comfortable back in front of the camera, I was a little bit shocked at that. How so? Like, just tell us, take us through what you're thinking. Well, I think that it had been so many years that I had, Performed, you know, and, I, and I'll go back to Brother Love in, you know, the 80s and early 90s and in a few here and there, you know, in between. But um, I don't know. It, it just, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that I had been doing every single week. Right. So, you know, people go, oh, well, you do the podcast. Podcast is different, man. Podcast is two guys just sitting here talking. 
And, you know, we don't rehearse. We don't, you know, I don't look at notes. <laughs> you know that. Um, it, it's different. And then to, to get out there and you are being a character, you are using someone else's words, you are delivering someone else's message. And that was weird in and of itself, too, because when I did Brother Love, I wrote Brother Love. I performed it. You know, it was, it was a creation out of my head. I knew exactly how to do it. And sometimes when you're doing yourself through someone else's eyes, you're trying you're trying to portray how they see you. Right. And I pretty quickly just I pretty quickly got in the groove after not doing it for a long time. That's all. It, it just was I was surprised at how comfortable I was quickly. So chat me up about um some of the other folks that are returning. Kevin Sullivan, not the devil, the wrestler, but the production guy, he's back. A bunch of other folks are back, but the, the roster too is a little different. I mean, we should remind everybody that you've got some talent here, man. Um, Cody Rhodes is there. Um, you know, we, we mentioned, uh, Alberto Del Rio is there. Uh, Drew Galloway's there. They have, they have some Bobby Lashley's there. They got some players that are, are doing really, really well. And they're all now, and they're all here. Um, did you feel like this was the right group of talent? I mean, in hindsight, it looks loaded, dude. In hindsight, it sure did. You know, Cody, I think was only there the first, the first set of tapings that I did. Right. And you know, he, he was kind of finishing up there moving on, uh, him and Brandy, but you know, Lashley, obviously incredible talent. I think, uh, Magnus was there and you, you had Del Rio, who I thought was without a doubt, one of the, the best talents in the world at that time. So yeah, they, they had some good talent, but they also had some very green and unknown talent. I can't even remember. Yeah. You know, there was a tag team there from Las Vegas that were a part of the global force brand that Jeff had done. And he had recorded some TV off of that. And Jeff had used a lot of guys that were, that were very green and had never had any national exposure. So it was, it was unique, but there was some talent. Yeah. So, uh, here's another recap, if you will, where you're going to cut a promo on EC three with the idea that he's a Carter and from the old administration and you tell EC three, he needs to find his balls and then EC three beats you down. So you took a bump buddy. I think that's where I tore my, uh, rotator, rotator cuff. cuff. And I guess the angle here was to set up you hiring Tyrus as the bodyguard. But I remember this and, and us having a conversation about this that night. Tell me about you taking a bump for what the first time since the early nineties here. It was. And yeah. And you know, there's one thing in taking your own bump and somebody giving you a bump and, and, uh, EC three was, a was a little rough in that where all kind of went down and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I was sore Conrad. I'm an old man. Right. I don't need to be getting thrown around by these young whippersnappers. So 
you know, but it's it's the same time. Uh, it was what it was. I had no problem doing it, and uh, it was good. I liked EC3. What did you think of the pairing of uh, you and Tyrus? Well, again, that was another one that, you know, here was this big bastard, impressive looking guy. And he's, he's on Fox, whatever business or Fox news. And so he's got some cachet to him, but it was, it was, (laughs) I looked at it as a big billboard for t-shirts, Conrad, (laughs) tell you the truth. And I got him a, a, a ton of our shirts and had them, you know, Cyrus, Tyrus up and all this stuff. And, that was that was how I was looking at it. He would be a nice big part, but it allowed me to go a little bit more heelish in everything that I did by having this big bastard to have to deal with any physicality so that I wouldn't have to take any more bumps, shitty as they may be or not. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. July 10th. Quote, Impact Wrestling did another round of rebranding this week as a television. The new graphics read GFW Impact Wrestling. So the promotion's call letters are GFW for Global Force Wrestling. The name of the promotion, Jeff Jarrett, attempted to start and ran 13 weeks of TV tapings in Las Vegas in 2015, but was unable to sell the show in the U.S. or the U.K. The GFW tapes were acquired by Anthem as part of the deal where Jeff Jarrett became a stakeholder in the new company, and will be used for some of the commitments to one night only specials in India that will air on pay-per-view in the U S just about everyone on all sides felt the TNA name had too much negative baggage. When Billy Corgan attempted to purchase the company, he noted one of his earliest moves would have been to change the name. Bruce, it feels like you guys just did this and now you're doing it again. We went from TNA to impact and now we're GFW impact. What'd you think of, of, of Jeff putting GFW in front of impact? Were you for it? I, I wish no, not at this point. And, and here's why, if they were going to change, if the goal was to change the name to GFW, they right. should have done it day one and gone with it and focused on it. I will go back to when I was with TNA and we were doing impact. One of the focus groups that we got back was that they didn't understand what TNA was and that TNA had a negative connotation to it. People, you hear TNA, not seeing the letters, tits and ass. It was a negative, it had a negative attachment to it. Right. So to try and brand that, 
I, I never, ever from day one did I ever like the name TNA. Total nonstop action. Then would it be T-N-S-A? If it's total nonstop action. I got you. Okay. I mean, it's just, I, I never liked the name TNA. Right. Um, from just day one in general. Uh, but... So if you're going to change it and your goal is to get to the point of being the GFW, then just go GFW right out of the gate to go where, Hey folks, we're changing the name. We're, we're going to get rid of TNA and we're going to go with impact. So I go back to the focus group while at TNA and people didn't like the name TNA, but they really loved the name impact, right? Impact rated very well. During a, a branding exercise, we really wanted, I really wanted to change the name um, to Impact, just Impact. Let's lose TNA altogether and let's just be Impact Wrestling. And the n- name of the show is Impact. The name of the company is Impact. And let's go with it. And Dixie was adamant against dropping the TNA. She really wanted to keep TNA in the name. She really wanted to keep TNA in, in everything that we did. And um, like, okay, uh, cool. But I just didn't think it was a wise move to me. So now when you get here and you look at it, if you're going to change it, change to what you're doing. Now you're going from TNA to impact. Now you're going to, GFW impact knowing that they want to just get to GFW. Right. Should have just gone there too confusing. So who were your favorite talents to work with in this era? When you're down there reworking with impact, I'm sure you've got some folks you really enjoyed working with and some that, well, maybe not so much, uh, share with us what you can there. I loved working with Del Rio. Um, loved working with Lashley. Um, you know, I, I think that EC3 was a little bit inside of his own head at the time. And I really wish, cause I enjoyed his work. I really wish that he would have let go a little bit. However, um, I do think that there were way too many people giving him conflicting advice. And, and when I say he was in his head, I think that too many people were in his head. It's not that he was, he was coming up with this shit. It was, he would seek out advice from several different people and he would get a lot of different advice. So he was getting a lot of conflicting advice and that that's difficult for a talent. So I did enjoy working with him. I loved just sitting down and talking with him, but, um, there was, I enjoyed working with Jeremy Borash. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I pretty much enjoyed working with everybody. There was there was no oh my god, I don't want to work with this guy ever. It was fun. So what were some of your your highlights of being there? When you think back on that time, is there something that really jumps off the page? I mean, I know that as a as somebody who was watching, I loved when you decided to put folks into a salad steel cage. Of course, you contend that you said solid. Matthew at Botchamania and myself, we say nay, nay, 
You definitely okay. Well, Matthew it. needs deodorant, and um, I said solid. <laughs> okay, I don't even know who this Yahoo is. I could smell him a mile away, but no, it, it was solid steel cage. Okay, there's only one kind of steel cage. It's solid. solid. I got it. Now, okay. but the, just the idea that it's solid steel doesn't that mean that it's not a cage? Wouldn't it? Be solid. It'd be like a steel wall then, right? No, it's a cage. Solid steel. Just like I said, solid steel. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So eventually you do start to, or it feels as if you're doing more backstage stuff. When did that start to happen where it went from, Hey, I'm just doing in-ring promos and and promos on the stage to, okay, now I'm going to be doing a lot of pre-tapes and stuff backstage. And was that all you're doing? Are you also helping? Cause you can't help yourself because you love it so much. Are you helping produce some of those segments for other talent? Not for other talent. No, okay. I, I, I will say I'm a little bit guilty of kind of taking over with my segments. Yeah. I got to the point of just suggesting different ways to shoot them. Right. And kind of, no, goddamn, it flows better if we do it this way and bing, 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 bing. And, Cause let's go, let's go, let's get this thing going. Um, and too often times it would be, well, you know, we just, let's just treat it like a shoot. No, cause it's not a shoot. Right. It's a work. We're telling a story. We need to do this as if we're telling a story of what is the best way to tell this story and figure it out before we just shoot something. And it may be like shit, but yet, okay, next thing. So, Probably midway through, I kind of doing stuff backstage. I may have taken over a little bit my stuff. I did. I still. I never did anybody else's stuff. Creatively, what had your fingerprints on it outside of your segments? Anything at all? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. I I, I steered. I I so steered clear from that, big time. And even my segments now. But again, those were that. That's. Jeff wrote that Jeff and spud and those guys, uh, Jeremy, whoever was writing the shows, those guys wrote it and I just delivered it. Uh, t- talk to me a little bit about, um, how you felt being back this close to wrestling again, because it does, you know, we've heard as wrestling fans that a lot of folks who work in the business, they get the quote unquote bug and then man, they just, they can't shake loose of it. Could you feel yourself? getting that wrestling bug after you had thought, Oh, it's in the rear view mirror. We're not doing that anymore. Life's moved on. Did you think, Oh shit, man. Just when I think I'm out, they're pulling me back in. Yes. And no, I think that because it was impact and it was only a television property that no, I'm just doing a TV show. I got you. And I'll do it as long as I can do it. And I'm having fun. The other thing about it, Conrad, is I didn't need it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I was I was there to have fun. If it went away, you know, after the first week, no harm, no foul. Um, I I didn't. It wasn't. I have to do this. Oh my god! I've. Oh my god! What do you mean you have me off of a taping? No, I've got to be at that taping because if I'm not, I'll lose my spot. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was. It wasn't life or death for me. So talk to me about that healthy 
approach. I mean, once upon a time, you know, you've told the story before way, way long time ago that you got to a point where you were just like kind of done with wrestling. Right. And you threw your brother love outfit off bridge into the water and like, I'm, Galveston I, Bay. I'm done with this. And now you find yourself not really, I mean, you still love it and you, you kind of want to do it and you enjoy doing it, but you don't feel like you have to do it. When did that change? I mean, we know now you're just eat up with wrestling, but it did feel like at that point, it's like, nah, man, that's in the rear view mirror. I'm doing podcasts and, and live shows and all this other stuff. And I, I'm, I'm on the periphery. I'm not knee deep in it. And now here you are in a ring on TV. It does feel like you've got to train your brain. Okay. We're going to do this, but it's almost like you had a bad breakup and you're going to try to get back together. And you're like, all right, well, we're not going to do it like we did last time. And you can't leave a toothbrush here, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And I, I looked at it as hey man, I'm going to go on vacation for a few days, every couple of weeks. Right. And just go have some fun. So, so that, that, that was the mindset. And that's a healthy approach because eventually, well, Jim Cornette shows up. And it's written here in late August. Jim Cornette was among the many newcomers at the tapings this week. Cornette did a TV appearance on the live show, seemingly as the new authority figure replacing Bruce Pritchard. They did an in-ring thing where Pritchard announced that Alberto was suspended and voluntarily gave up the title and that they were giving the title to Bobby Lashley, the previous champion. Cornette came out at this point after they'd been teasing a mystery guy was there. And they ended up arguing and Pritchard, who was playing a smarmy heel instead of his prior babyface authority figure role, wanted Cornette kicked out. Cornette then revealed that Anthem had hired him and they were tired of self-serving people running the company. Cornette announced they were going to decide a new champion in the ring and not just hand that somebody the title. And he announced a gauntlet match for the next week's TV. This was taped on 817, will air on 824, and it came down to Eli Drake beating Eddie Edwards. When they were the last two guys, Drake is a great talker, but I don't think he's the guy you want as world champion right now. When you're trying to rebuild the company, Cornette then fired Bruce Pritchard. Pritchard had commitments as they were filming an episode of his podcast in a live location in New York over the weekend. And he'd made the commitment before these dates were announced. The way it was done on TV led me to believe Pritchard would come back as a heel feuding with Cornette. The way it was described to us is that Pritchard is gone for now. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Given that he wasn't back at the next tapings and they're not until November, the angle seemed to leave it open that he could return. Although one company source said that he was done and another said he was done at least for now. Pritchard came out as an authority figure saying this past year was good, but next year will be even better. He said, Alberto El Patron uh, is no longer champion saying he voluntarily surrendered the title to concentrate on family and personal interests. Pritchard, who, after giving his real name, kept calling him Mr. Patron which would be like calling Jerry Lawler, Mr. King announced Lashley as the champion and brought out Cornette who set up the gauntlet and fired Pritchard. So there's the whole story. He's going to tell security to kick Pritchard out. Pritchard says, this isn't the last time you're going to see me backstage. Pritchard and Karen Jarrett were screaming at each other. 
Karen told him he would never set foot in this place again, but Pritchard vowed to return. So I remember this because we, we definitely had a live show hashtag sold out hashtag humble brag, um, at the Gramercy theater <laughs> sold out shows <clears throat> Yeah, at, at the Gramercy theater, as you call it, uh, because it was SummerSlam weekend and it was this same time where Ric Flair was in the hospital and boy, there's just a lot of moving parts here, but I'm saying all this to say, uh, did you think you were just going home for this one taping because you know, you had to do our show or did you know, ah, this is probably it. And they're just not wanting to tell me, or I'm done with it. Or what, what was the real deal there? The real deal was, so, um, we, we would shoot during the week normally, and then they were adjusting their taping schedule to do some weekend shows and do some weekend tapings. And it conflicted with our New York shows and, I kind of looked at, well, here's what we're going to do over the weekend. And here's what I would make for two days of TV here. And it was a no brainer. Um, so I, I talked to Jeff and I said, Hey, look, you know, I, if you want to write me out, write me out because we're going to be doing more and more of these shows and the shows are going to be on the weekends. And if you guys are looking to do more, tapings on the weekends, there's a potential for more conflict. Um, these, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm, and I let him know, God, I let him know in like June or whatever the hell it was that I can't, I can't make those dates and, um, do what you need to do. So Jeff said, Oh, Hey, no problem. No, we're, we're not gonna, uh, you know, this is a kind of a one-off thing and we'll get our schedule laid out and we'll have, you know, we may have some, but we can work around that. If it conflicts with your schedule, we can pre-tape stuff with you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, out of that, the idea came up for that interim because we shot like, God, it felt like we shot like five days or something. It felt like in a row to get to this point to where we were going to get to whatever their October pay-per-view was. And I was like, Hey, just write me off TV. And Jeff was, no, I got an idea. We're going to do this deal with Cornette, but then I want to do, uh, but I'm only bringing Cornette in for a short amount of time. We're going to bring him to whatever the October pay-per-view is. We'll do a blow off with you guys. Not, not us in the ring, but representing if I win, if my guy wins, I stay. If Cornette wins, he stays type shit. Um, and then I'd come back after the October pay-per-view, whatever you want to do, man, just, just know that I can't do these dates right. going forward. And so they brought Cornette in, they laid all this out to us I'm like, Hey, great. Perfect. Yeah. You know, fire me. And then the whole reason we did the Karen thing on the out was that after I came back in October, the suggestion was, okay, that Cornette was just short term and I would do this deal with Karen and have a, a issue with Karen going forward. Okay, great. You know, whatever you want to do, man, if you don't want to bring him back, that's cool too. Um, so we, we did all of that, had fun, had fun in the ring with Corny. That was a, 
a good segment shit. Uh, then I did the shot with Karen right after. The funny thing was, is people thought that the deal I did with Karen was a shoot. Right. <laughs> I'm like, looking around going, what? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, because it, it was because I came right out and, and Karen was in my face and they didn't have the cameras ready. So we just kept going. And so because there weren't cameras there initially that they thought, oh, my God, uh, Bruce and Karen are going at it. And I left. You know, we did our thing and went back to the hotel, thanked everybody and see you on down the road. So when I when I left that night um, in my head, I'm like, eh, you know, if they're going to be doing weekend shows, we're not going to be able to do that because the, the podcast and those live shows are really starting to take off. Yeah. And when you, you compare what what we were doing off of the live shows in comparison to doing the TV tapings, it was like, yeah. It was, it was a money choice at that point. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we want to make more money or we want to make less money. I know that sounds silly, but I mean, that's, that was the, that's why, that's why people are in business. Yes. So Bruce, as we're winding this thing down, were, were you supposed to come back? Do you know if you were ever contacted about coming back? I think the next big thing we saw you do is you popped up, uh, I guess in March of the following year. Uh, as a producer for MLW and got to work with a lot of great talent, uh, folks that you're still working with today, like Matt Riddle was there and, and, and a whole host of others. But was there ever an idea for you to return to impact here? Well, the idea was just what Jeff had laid out, uh, with Cornette and I culminating with, we would each have, I think I was going to go with Bobby Lashley and Cornette would go with somebody else. But, um, you know, obviously never panned out. And then all the stuff with Jeff happened, I guess, in Mexico, where I think Jeff had an incident and Jeff was suspended or something like that from the company for a while. And in the interim, we're doing our own thing. You and I were. Right. So I'm sitting there one day and uh, Cornette called me and Corny says, hey, so I, I guess we're done. So what do you mean? He goes, I, I guess we're done with impact. I don't know if he spoke to Dutch or he spoke to someone who told him that everything that Jeff had was going away. Any deals that Jeff had made were going away and that they weren't going to bring Cornette or me back for the October pay-per-view and uh, Karen was gone and Jeff was gone and all this other stuff. So I'm like, Okay. <laughs> you know, it was like, it really didn't bother me. It was, it was kind of a blessing. So I called Jeff and Jeff was like, no, that's bullshit, man. No, no, fuck it, man. You know, I told me what happened, um, his version of what happened in Mexico and, uh, said, no, man, I'm just taking some time away. I'm going to get my shit straight. But the creative is creative, man. We're, we're doing all of that stuff. I said, well, Jeff, um, I'm fine with it. It's a, uh, there's no, I'll call, um, God, what's the guy's name? Ed DeLang or something like that. 
Oh, Ed Nordholm? Ed, Ed, Ed Nordholm. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, that's so right. I, so right. I called that guy. and That was your first conversation with him? No, I, I'd met him plenty of times. Okay, okay. I mean, he he would come to the tapings, so I knew Ed. Okay. But uh, but I called him, and I said, hey, look, I'm reading the stuff about you know what happened with Jeff. I got a phone call from Jim Cornette an hour or so ago telling me that he was informed that he's done and that I'm done. Um, but I didn't get any phone call from you guys. And I called Jeff cause that's my contact there. And Jeff, I guess is suspended. So I'm calling you. What's the deal? And he kind of hemmed and hawed me and, and talked where basically he wouldn't say, no, we don't need you or, or you're done or anything like that. And I said, Jeff, it's okay. Right. Um, if you guys don't need me, that's cool. Just uh, send me my release and, and we can part friends today. And if you ever need something down the road, let me know. And he was like, okay. And within a minute, if that, I'm still talking to him on the phone. I got the release wow. uh, from Bob Ryder and looked at it, signed it and scanned it while I was still on the phone with Ed. And scanned it and sent it back to him. And I said, hey, you've got my release. It's signed. Uh, thank you. I wish you guys the best of luck. And um, see you on down the road. This episode is being brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that's helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life where I needed to make a change, like trying to be healthier or spending less time at work. I knew I needed to make a change, but I just wasn't ready yet. And a lot of smokers and dippers out there can probably relate. Zen understands there isn't just one quote unquote right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. So whether you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zen will be there with you with the right strength with the right flavor at the right time. If you're thinking about making a change and you want to learn more today, check out Zen nicotine pouches at ZYN.com. That's Zen.com. That's ZYN.com. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Man, that was that, it. that's a fun story. And, and, and I'm glad that you got to have fun. And this was really your first foray. And I know that um, you know, maybe it didn't go exactly as planned, but you had some fun. You had some highlights. Were there any low lights? There really, there wasn't. Um, and I don't know if it went as planned because I didn't have a plan. I don't know necessarily that they had a plan really either, but I didn't, I was just for the first time in my life going with the flow. And for the first time in my life, I was able to, go on a bike ride every single day at noon. Um, I was able to be in my pool six days a, a week and do a podcast and then once a month go out on the road and, and perform in front of a live audience. So I was having fun. I, I was I was having fun and, and it was not a lot of pressure. I mean, I put pressure on myself for all those live events, but – um, it, it was an opportunity to do something I enjoy doing 
and have fun with it with some fun people that were trying to make it in the business that I loved. And it got you going again in wrestling. You know, it was, it was your first foray back. Uh, you had some fun with impact working behind the scenes uh, or on camera. And then you had some fun behind the scenes with MLW and, and now you're, you're back home, baby. Uh, we got a lot of questions here. I don't think we'll get to them all. Let's do a few here. Uh, slick wants to know who was the driving force to bring you back to impact. Did you have faith in the GFW rebranding? I uh, didn't have faith in the GFW rebranding because I didn't know about it <laughs> until midway. But Jeff, Jeff was uh, Jeff was the one that made the call, and Jeff was the one that brought me back. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, bringing you back, I want to go ahead and give a shout out uh, to Z Biotics, and we've uh, we you and I have both experienced the wonders of Z Biotics. I see you holding it up to the camera there. You've got some now. We've all got more than one wedding to go to this season. And despite all the champagne that we'll be drinking, we're actually looking forward to brunch the next day because we'll have Z-Biotics with us. You see, uh, the reality is, well, when I drink alcohol, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. So a lot of the time I'd be the only person in the group not drinking, or I just end up skipping some plans with friends altogether. And that is until we found out about Z-Biotics. This has been a game changer folks for Bruce and I, uh, Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. Uh, it was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. And here's how it works. When you drink alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration. That's to blame for your rough feeling the next day. Z-Biotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. Just remember to drink Z-Biotics before drinking alcohol. Of course, drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. And I got to admit the first time I tried Z-Biotics was, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago. And I had been good and hadn't drank in a long time. And I thought, man, if we're really going to go hang out with our pals and hoot and holler, Maybe I should go ahead and do this. And I did exactly as instructed. I drank a bottle of Z-Biotics before any alcohol. And I was honestly amazed at how good I felt the next day. This is just science folks. I mean, really think about that. We're going to have this enzyme break the byproduct down. Nobody else is doing this. I've never heard of it. Listen, every time I have Z-Biotics before drinking, it makes such a difference the next day. And listen, if you're like Bruce and I, man, we're busier than ever. We can't afford to miss a day. Uh, we got to be at our best, especially first thing in the morning. And for that matter, late at night and Z biotics help us make sure we're going to be at our best. We still get to enjoy the fun the day before, uh, give Z biotics a try for yourself. Z forward slash wrestle to get 15% off your first order. When you use wrestle at checkout, by the way, Z biotics is backed with a hundred percent money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. And let me give you a pro tip, boys and girls. The 4th of July is right around the corner. So order a pack of Z-Biotics for you and your friends today to make sure you get it in time. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash wrestle and use the code wrestle at checkout for 15% off. And we thank Z-Biotics for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, Francis Reyes has a question here, Bruce, and they want to know, did you speak to anyone in or outside of the company about advice before, before coming back to TNA? Now you, you told us you talked to Jeff, but did you talk to anybody else? No. So you no, felt just you. 
and, and I think we were both shocked considering you had effectively dunked on them and now they're hiring you back. I mean, is that the, is that the strangest thing that happened to us in the first few months? Um, yeah, maybe I think that, that definitely ranked up there. <laughs> it ranked up there. I don't know why, but that tickles me. Mr. William wants to know, what do you think led to corny being so hard on you recently? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, corny had his view as far as some things when you and I were talking to him about possibly working together and corny took it one way and that's, that's corny. So I haven't talked to him since he took that stance. So you'd have to ask him that. JS Cleveland wants to know how many working bears could Bruce fit into those wide leg jeans. <laughs> okay. They're called loose fit. Well, they're mom jeans is what they are. It's a style. You used to wear a black duster and the mom jeans and some floor sheens and a t-shirt. I haven't worn first of all, not floor <laughs> sheens, floor shine. I haven't worn a floor shine since I was like. 14 years old. I love it so much. Uh, Derek Cornette wants to know, how about this question? Why? Uh, let me give you an answer here, Derek. He got paid to go advertise his t-shirts and his podcast. And I got to tell you, I remember I was down the hill at stand up live here, our local comedy club, which I think I've taken you to before Bruce. And I started seeing people posting online who were at the tapings, the picture of you coming to the ring and on that giant video screen had our big ass podcast logo. I thought that was the coolest thing, man. It was so surreal that after you thought you were out of the wrestling game, our silly little podcast got you back on TV in a ring with a live mic. What the heck, dude? That's pretty cool. Yeah. No kidding. Crazy. Isn't it? Um, Dave, the wave says it didn't work the first time. Why did he come back to GFW impact a second time? Did you feel like there was more? fun to be had there or was this simply a payday? I mean, did you think this is a good opportunity to get my foot back in the door or in hindsight, why do you think you jumped at the chance to do this? I didn't jump. I, you know, I was weighing two different potential offers and really only got one. And I thought about it and looked at ways to promote and grow our audience on, on the podcast. So it was an opportunity to, to do a lot of different things, you know, out of it. So it wasn't just, Oh, I want to go back to Orlando every other week or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, but I wanted some frequent flyer miles. I made some decent money and got exposure. Roll title that man. Uh, WrestleManiac wants to know what talents were there in TNA in 2017 that really stuck out to Bruce as having it. Hmm. Yeah, I liked EC3. Um, I liked Eli Drake. Yeah, I'm sure there were others, but just escapes from my memory at this point. Uh, the Nason says Impact was clearly trying to get some of that STW dust sprinkled on them during this run. So why didn't Bruce get Conrad a run in a payday? Conrad wouldn't have needed to come out of a box to be over with that crowd. You wouldn't do it. Correct. I'm just a fan. Uh, yeah, Dan, right. what'd you say? Nothing. 
Okay. Danny Dietz. <laughs> Don't you use my own shit on me. I'll use your own shit. You're going to fucking give me that goddamn bullshit. You motherfucker, you. Gavin wants to know, was the gut check segment the first time you had ever worked with WWE official Adam Pierce? I don't think you were doing gut checks here, but it is an old doing gut checks here, but yes, it was when I did do the gut check with him and I wanted to actually bring Adam on as a producer. Uh, Ben Ledbetter says, Bruce, I find you highly entertaining and I know you're in your wheelhouse working behind the curtain, but do you think we'll ever see you on screen again? Hashtag never say never. Well, just keep watching A&E and (laughs) I feel like I'm the only one they ever asked the same damn questions to, but anyway, yeah. Uh, Lopez wants to know, has there ever been a job where you were relieved to be fired from? Um, no, Michael, but I, I, you know, and again, I, I never really was fired. It was like, Hey, you don't have anything for me. I got other stuff going on. Good luck to you and good luck to you and move on. This was an amicable deal, man. There was yeah. no hard feelings. Yeah. It just came down to a money found. deal. You know, we talked about you and I talked about in real life, what, what the money was, but I know you don't talk about money, but you made a eight or nine or 10 X multiple when we did a live show. So the opportunity to go hang out and do, do wrestling is fun. But at the same time, being on stage on your own show on a property you own where you're in total control and you make eight, nine or 10 times, it's kind of a no brainer. Like, yes, you're having fun, but we don't want to necessarily have fun making less money. Let's have fun making more money. Yeah. And, and, and also to be clear, that's not saying that I wasn't making really good money at TNA. It's just, we were doing really well on the yeah. live shows at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and to be clear, this is TNA when they're trying to, you know, be balling on a budget and right. you know, we don't want to hurt your feelings because I would bet if you weren't number one, you were top three highest paid there. I would guess. Yeah, possibly. So possibly let's just leave it loose like that. Uh, Michael McClanahan uh, wants to know, uh, what did you learn in your time with TNA in 2017 that you still utilize to this day? Did having the STW podcast at the time influence the way you approached returning to the wrestling business with TNA? I think the answer to the second one's probably yes. Right. Cause you saw it as an opportunity to just branch out and keep promoting what you're doing. But did you learn anything? That's a fun question, Michael. You know, I kind of learned something every day. And, and I think that, um, I, I for example, a rock star spud, I, I learned what a hustler he was. Right. And just a, an incredible work ethic and somebody that had gone unnoticed for a long time and that I didn't realize how talented he really was. Uh, so, yeah, you learn something every day. If you're not learning something every day, you're not living life right. So I had fun there and it was the attitude of going into it. Is it something that I would have, would have done had we not done the podcast? I think I would have done it with other reasons and other, you know, with more intent to, Oh my God, I've got to get a full-time job here. I've got to do more. I've got to do right. more. And I was content doing what I was doing. Last one, uh, gorgeous, Gary blonde. He's bringing the heat, baby. He says, I'm just going to come out and ask it. No beating around the bush. No bullshit. Bruce. Give us the God's honest truth. How big's Batista's dick. (laughs) 
Still thinking about it? It's a podcast, Bruce. They can't see you motioning with your hands. You'll have to describe. Okay, well, listen, uh, some of these things uh, keep a little better than others. Hey, speaking of keeps, let me mention keeps.com. Uh, I, I'm such a big believer in keeps, and I know that, that you've been using keeps, and I've started using keeps, and I have to admit, my dad turned gray when he was really early, and he even had a, a, a saying he would say, well, it turned gray, at least it didn't turn loose. And then last year, all of a sudden, I saw my dad was getting, as Tony Schiavone once called it, a flesh-colored yarmulke. And I thought, uh-oh. I immediately knew what to do. I went to keeps, but I wasn't scared about this because I knew there's only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss and keeps offers both. You see, keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. And that's great news because more than 50 million men in the U S suffer from some form of male pattern baldness keeps offers a simple, affordable, and stress-free way to keep your hair. We're talking convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months meaning you don't even have to leave your home. They've also got 24 seven care and support. You see keeps has a network of expert medical advisors, prescribers, and care specialists to support you and making your hair goals a reality. It's also low cost too. treatment started just $10 a month and keeps offers generic versions of the two FDA approved medications to prevent hair loss. Treatment plans are affordable, typically half the cost of pharmacy prices. Keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results. Now, remember prevention is key and treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast when it comes to your hair, let's save more and spend less. And if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to K E E P S.com slash wrestle to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K E E P S.com slash wrestle to get your first month free. That's K E E P S.com slash wrestle. Who's going to take care of your family. If something happens to you, what would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms you're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. And Bruce, I'm just looking, I'm wondering, do, do you think maybe you could give us an answer on that question? Or are we just going to keep that on the DL until next week? Can we do charts and graphs like an overhead projector? Can we do hand puppets? The fans want to know Bruce by God. Okay. Maybe not next week, Bruce. We're going to talk, talk about something. I can't wait to discuss King of the ring, 1997. The undertaker is going to defend his WWF title against Farouk after Ahmed Johnson is the original opponent. Shawn Michaels is going to take on his fellow tag team champion in stone cold, Steve Austin. The match of course was originally supposed to be Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, but we know that didn't happen. We're also going to see triple H and mankind in the King of the ring finals. The heart foundation is going to take on Sid and the LOD plus the build to the debut of Kane continues King of the ring 97, man. It's going to be a fun episode. Is it not? Looking forward to it. Good times. Well, I'm glad you're still with us, Bruce. And I hope that your shoulder surgery goes well. And I hope that, uh, you're recovering nicely and I'm going to send you lots of thoughts and prayers and maybe some chocolates that you won't eat or something nice, but I'm not offended with cash. 
buddy. I think you got more cash than you know what to do with these days. Roll tight on that. Actually, it's yeah. not, it's not more than you know what to do with Lenny Bakken knows what to do with it. Shout out to Lenny. Google him. If you're not sure who that is. And uh, we'll be back next week. King of the ring, 1997 on deck right here on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. You are so obsessed with betting. I don't need to bet. <laughs> you're adamant that you're going to win, and what I'm adamant I that you're not like, going to win. Why does money have to be you're, exchanged? You're a realist. Like, he believes it, you believe it. Why is that? Well, that's no fun in that. It's a conversation that you can have, and then Monday, it's just like, I told you so. I mean, that's the verbal currency. There's nothing fun there. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.